You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I'm your host, Kristen Maxwell. And in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies you can use to transform your own life. Today, we're going to be talking to Ruth Sukup about how to move past fear to finally accomplish your goals. Ruth Sukup is an author, podcast host of the podcast Do It Scared, a product creator, a best-selling author of six books. Her blog, Living Well, Spending Less, reaches over one million women and where she helps them to overcome fear to create the life that they love. Her newest book, Do It Scared, Finding the Courage to Face Your Fears, Overcome Obstacles, and Create a Life You Love, just came out in May. And I am so excited to dig into some of these um, theories around getting past our fears. So Ruth, welcome to your superpowered mind. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you. So my question always is, at first, what superpower did you uncover as a result of mastering your mind? Oh, such a good question. And, you know, I think that if I was to say one thing, it would probably be realizing that I always have a choice and that I'm in, that I am in control of the choices that I make. Wow. So that is a huge one. So can you say more about that? How, because for some people, I think that really don't realize that they have a choice. Um, right. So my kids, more. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a lesson that I'm definitely trying to drive home with my kids. I have a, a 10 year old and a 12 year old. And so this comes up a lot. And I think that what I mean by that is, and this is something that I definitely talk about in the book, but you know, we all have, we all have our stuff. We all have those things that hold us back and keep us stuck in our life. And we, a lot of times we can find excuses and reasons of why we can't do something or why we can't move forward, or we can complain that life's not fair. We can focus on all the bad things that have happened in our life or the people that have treated us badly or the, the, the health issues that we've had or the fact that, you know, I'm six foot two and I can never find pants to fit me, whatever it is. Like I, I could find a million things to complain about right now. Some would be legitimate. Some would not be legitimate, but the reality is at the end of the day, none of those things are serving me and staying stuck in those things are not serving me. And so I have to choose every single day that even if I can't choose what happens to me or how people treat me, that I can always choose how I respond and how I choose to move forward. And the thing about that is that it's so incredibly freeing. It is the most powerful thing that you can do for yourself and for your life because then you're no longer dependent on other people. You're no longer waiting for somebody else to rescue you. You're no longer waiting for your circumstance to be perfect because you get to have, you get to have the say, you get to have the control. And that's pretty amazing. It is truly amazing. And I love how clearly you explain that because I, I remember when I first learned that I too, that it was not what happened to me, but that dictated how I felt, but that I could choose it. 
it was truly liberating. I, I went around, I think, for a year and a half, and I often tell my clients this phrase saying, this is not what I would have picked, but it's happening. And so now who do I want to be? Exactly. <laughs> yes. And it's like, well, do I want to complain? Because that's going to make myself miserable and everybody else too. So, Oh, it's so true. And you know, I have, I have these two little girls and I, we, we have this conversation almost every day. And when it most often happens is in the morning because I have my 12 year old, you know, is the consummate oldest child. She's very organized and neat and she's likes, you know, she cares about her appearance and she's always ready on time and she loves to get to school early so she can play with her friends before school. And then my younger daughter is just a walking disaster every day is like, she can't find her shoes and she's um, uh, just won't comb her hair, won't brush her teeth and won't clean up and won't do any of the things that she's supposed to do. And no amount of yelling or pleading or any of that is going to make her move any faster. And so my oldest daughter gets so frustrated because they, of course, have to get driven to school at the same time because she has to wait for her sister. And she just every day, it's the same thing. It's not fair. Why does Annie have to take so long? And every day I have to have the same conversation you're not going to change your sister. You can hope to help her. You can hope that she grows out of it. But what you can control is how you react to it. You can either let this ruin your entire day, every single day, because you're right. It's not fair. Your sister is super annoying right now. And and that's all I can really tell her is like, I wish it was different too. But if you choose to let this ruin your day, then then that's on you. And I don't know. Some days I think she gets it. Some days she doesn't. But I think that's such a hard lesson for all of us to learn that even when things are completely unfair, we still have to have, we still have to make the choice of how, how we're going to deal with it. Uh, yeah, that's perfect. By the way, I have three teenage daughters. So, so I know you understand that. <laughs> I completely understand. And there have been times when I myself have to give myself that talk of, okay, well, I can choose how I want to respond to them. <laughs> I know it's sometimes easier said than done. Exactly. Definitely. Okay. Well, I really do want to get into fear. And, you know, how did you get into this looking into the role of fear? You know, it really happened organically. I have um, a pretty, a pretty large audience and I have, I, I speak to a lot of women um, every single day. And I speak to both entrepreneurs and, and moms and women who are just trying to, you know, get their homes in order. And in both places, I, I kept hearing things that related back to fear. Women would say things to me like, you know, Ruth, you talk about setting big goals for yourself, but I feel like I'm sitting on the sidelines of my life. I feel like I'm so afraid to jump in and go after it. And I don't know how, I don't know how I've, I've spent so much time taking care of everyone else that I don't know what I want for myself. And I'm so afraid. And it wasn't just one or two people. It was again and again and again. And this theme kept coming up and it got me so curious because fear has definitely been a huge part of my life and having to overcome fear has been a huge part of my, my own life. And so I wanted to to dig in and find out a little bit more. And so I started asking a lot of questions and those questions sort of snowballed into this gigantic research study that I had no idea when I started how, how big it would end up being, but we ended up surveying more than 4,000 women um, and not actually not just women, 4,000 people on the role of fear in their lives. And, and 
was so it was so much data and so much information that we ended up having to hire a whole team of researchers to go through the data and psychologists to help us make sense of it all. But through that, what we discovered about fear was pretty was pretty amazing and really exciting. And that's sort of the starting point for the book. Wow. Okay, that is great. And I really want to get into you know, what are some of these fears and how do you move past that fear to finally accomplish your goals, like to really figure out what it is you want in life. But we have to take a break first. Um, Before we go, can you let people know where they can learn more about you and your book? Absolutely. You can find everything you want to know about the book and about me at doitscared.com. Perfect. We'll be right back. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking to Ruth Sukup about fear and how to get into action even when we're scared. And, you know, looking in your new book, Do It Scared?, I was really struck by the fact that you had these different fear archetypes that describe so many types of my clients and myself. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us, first of all, what are fear archetypes and what are some of those? Yeah. So what we discovered through all of this research and through this, through this study that we did was that fear really does look different for everyone. We all experience fear. And we don't even always label it as fear. Sometimes we call it anxiety. Sometimes we call it being stuck. Sometimes we call it depression. It can be all of these different things. And But the way that it, it manifests itself looks very different and unique for each, each person, individual. We all have sort of our own fear fingerprint. But what we did find is that there are seven very distinct patterns of in the way that fear tends to play out in people's lives. That's what we call the seven fear archetypes. And the important thing to understand about that is that we all have a little bit of all seven of these archetypes in us. And but for most of us, we have one or two, sometimes even three or four. I've seen up to six um, that are very prevalent. So it sort of happens on a continuum. Um, so you might score, you know, in the 90th percentile for one of the fear archetypes and then 80th, 80th percentile for one and so on and so on. So the way that they interact together also comes into play. But there's, but you can really pick out the unique patterns that happen within, within these seven archetypes. And the reason that this is so, so important to understand is that until you understand this, and how fear is playing out in your life, all of this is happening mostly in our heads subconsciously. It's, we, we don't experience, experience it necessarily as fear. We experience it as our truth. And we also feel like, well, everyone must feel this way or everyone probably experiences fear the same way, but that's not really true. We, we each have it in our own way. But, but it's sort of like when you, go to, when you go to the doctor and you say, I don't feel well. 
And the doctor says, okay, well, let me, you know, let me check you out. Let me see what's wrong with you. The doctor has to make that diagnosis before he can do anything because you could have the flu, you could have cancer, you could have a, a gallbladder issue or whatever it is. And those are going to be all different treatments. And that's sort of the same way with fear is you have to have the diagnosis so that you can start working on the cure because once you can start to identify those patterns and actually call them out for what they are. That's when you start to be able to do something about it and have the power over it. So it's really, it's really exciting when you start to dive in and you go, oh my gosh, I never realized that this was how fear was impacting my life or holding me back. Right. That is so interesting. And I love that you, that it's an idea of a pattern because sometimes when you realize, oh, I keep responding to different situations in the same way. It sort of opens your eyes up to what it is that you're actually doing to yourself and that maybe there are other patterns and other ways to respond. Yes, yes, exactly. And that was that was what was so inc- incredibly intriguing about all of this is that it was happening again and again and playing out in the same ways for people that shared that archetype. They would, there was just similar thought patterns that were happening. And so many people now that they've, you know, people have come to me now that they've had a chance to read the book and start to dive into this and go, Oh my gosh, even when I got, you know, I took the assessment and found out my fear, fear archetype. I thought, no way, that's not me. And then I read the description and I read the people, the thoughts that people were having that have that archetype. And it was, it resonated so much with me. It rings so true because we, again, the, so much of it happens subconsciously that we don't even necessarily recognize it as, as fear in the traditional sense. Like it's not a phobia. This isn't fear of heights or fear of spiders. This is this is the fear that's holding you back from going after your goals and dreams. Yes. And I love, I love it. One of the things I'm going to ask you what some of the archetypes are, but as I, a spoiler alert, as I was <laughs> the book, I, re- I had never realized that sometimes the thoughts that go through my head very much fall into the rule follower. Like oh. I never, ever thought about the fact that, you know, the fact that I like to do things right. Uh, is a fear pattern. Uh It was fascinating. So I'm excited to learn more. So what are some of the the archetypes? Because I suspect people who are listening are going to... uh, are going to identify. <laughs> yes. So we can run through them real quick. Um, the first one, is the most common of all seven archetypes, I'll, I'll go through them in order of commonality or popularity. Um, but the first one is the procrastinator. And the procrastinator is another word for perfectionist. And those, those words are almost, I almost use those interchangeably a lot of times. And a lot of times it's really funny because someone who might identify themselves as a perfectionist, but they won't see themselves as a procrastinator or vice versa. But really the way that it manifests itself is, is kind of the same way. And what the underlying fear there for the procrastinator slash perfectionist is really a fear of making mis- making a mistake or getting it wrong. And this th- that becomes almost paralyzing. There, there's either a fear of commitment or a fear of getting started. So a lot of times the way that will play out is tweaking things up until the very last minute or maybe even saying no to opportunities because they don't want to commit to them because they're afraid they might get it wrong or um, 
sometimes it can be doing tons and tons of research ahead of time, so much research that they never actually get started. So those are all traits of the procrastinator slash perfectionist. The second most common archetype is the one that you mentioned. It's the rule follower archetype. And for the rule follower, it's almost an unhealthy fear of authority. So um, or a fear, sometimes it can be manifest as a fear of coloring outside the lines or a fear of getting it wrong and not in the sense of making a mistake so much as a sense of breaking some unspoken rule or regulation or or just, you know, like there's a, there's a right way to, they just know that there's a right way to do something and something bad is going to happen if you don't do it the right way. Yes. Sorry. I'm going to interrupt you because that's exactly it. And I had no idea. I really thought about things that way, but it is, it's like, I want people to tell me what to do a lot because yes. then I know what I'm supposed to do and I can do it. Yes. And rule followers tend to actually do. So it's important to know too, that each of these, um, each of these traits can, or each of these archetypes have both negative and positive qualities. And so part of, you know, part of the fact that, like the reason we get stuck in these fears is because there are parts of the fears that are actually serving us and possibly even serving us well. And, but there's also parts of the fear that are not serving us and that are holding us back. And so if you can start to recognize that too, you can start to use the good side of of your fear and leverage the good side of your fear while, while not letting the bad side of your fear hold you back, if that makes sense. So for rule followers, one of the best things that you can do if you are if you are a rule follower is um, seek out seek out instruction. Rule followers do really well, and I found this. I actually have a an online course for entrepreneurs called Elite Blog Academy, and I have found that my most successful students are almost all rule followers because they are the ones who do exactly what I tell them to do. <laughs> yeah. And so that could actually be a really great quality, right? If you if you can find instructions for how for how to do the things that you really want to do that can actually help you push past that fear. You just have to be careful about not being too rigid and too black and white. Yes. So that's that's number 2. Number 3 is the people pleaser. And the people pleaser is really the the underlying fear there is the fear of being judged or the fear of what other people are going to think or say. And so a lot of times the way you can understand the difference between, say, a procrastinator who fears making a mistake and the people pleaser who fears being judged is that the, they both of them don't want to make a mistake, but the motivations are different. The people pleaser is not as afraid of the mistake as they are afraid of what people would say about them if they made a mistake or pe- what people would think of them if they made a mistake. So people pleasers tend to can often be um, people who are like the life of the party and always concerned about how everyone else is doing. They're the caregivers for everyone else. They're always very, um, they're great people actually to have as friends because they're so considerate and thoughtful. Um, sometimes they can be overly concerned with appearances or sort of keeping up appearances because again, there's that fear of being judged or fear of what other people will think. Um, but where that can hold you back is if you if you're not willing to speak up and share your opinion because you're afraid of what other people would, will say or you're afraid of not keeping the peace um and it can also hold you back from just wanting to go out and take risks because you're afraid of of how that would be perceived by others or that or what other people would say about that so that you got to be really careful so again positive qualities and negative qualities 
Um, the fourth archetype is the outcast archetype. The outcast archetype is probably the most ironic of all of the uh, fear archetypes because on the outside, outcasts can appear to be somewhat fearless. Um, but really the underlying fear there for the outcast is a fear of rejection. And so the way that on, often manifests itself for people is rejecting other people before they can be rejected in return. Uh-huh. So outcasts tend to be um, very either they're like they can go either one or two ways. Like again, you can use the power for good or you can use it for evil. So they can either be very driven and successful or it can be more of like a social myth misfit, somebody who has just eschewed everybody and rejected everyone. Um, and then of course there's always, there's, there's always places in the middle, but you know, entrepreneurs, for instance, there tend to be, there's a higher number of outcast entrepreneurs because it's a very common archetype for entrepreneurs, people who are trying to prove themselves, pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and, and saying, I don't need anybody else. I'm just going to do it myself. Right. And I'm not going to go along with that corporate way of doing things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Outcasts have a hard time working, working with playing nice with others. Right. Yeah. Um, the fifth archetype is the self doubter and the self doubter is, is really the underlying fear of not being capable or not being enough. So the, the self doubter struggles with a lot of insecurity and self-confidence issues that often manifest itself in hypercriticism, both of themselves and often of other people, especially people that tend to be closest to them. So I know like when I talk about this, people either super resonate with it for themselves or they resonate with it because they have somebody in their life who they're like, oh yeah, I know, you know, so-and-so in my life is just like that. They're always nitpicking every, picking everything apart and picking people apart or picking me apart. And I feel like I can never measure up. But, and that's why, you know, learning about these archetypes is really neat for, from a relationship perspective, because you can start to have more empathy, I think, for people when you realize, oh my gosh, this might not be coming from a place of, malice, but from a place of fear and that, how does that change? How does that change the perspective? It might not make it easier, but in some ways it might make it easier to take. Yes. A little bit more understandable because we can understand having fears, you know, or exactly. Exactly. The sixth archetype is the excuse maker. And the excuse maker is really the underlying fear of being blamed or being held accountable. So the excuse maker is that person who just never seems to be able to be pinned down or you can never like, you never nail them. You know, you're like, aha, I got you. Like this was your fault, but they're like, no, 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 no. And they always have an excuse or they always have an explanation or a reason. Um, I like to say the excuse maker is the, is the person who never wants to pick the restaurant because they don't want to be the one who's blamed if it's no good. Oh, funny. Yes, <laughs> I've got that. That's funny. Wow. Um, and then the final one is the pessimist. And the pessimist is usually, um, usually comes from a place of, of having experienced a lot of hardship or adversity or tr- sometimes trauma or abuse or something really hard. And what, and the underlying fear there for the pessimist is a fear of pain or a fear of adversity, which often comes because they've experienced it, but they're instead of overcoming that adversity. And, you know, we talked about in the beginning, like just saying, I still have a choice of how I respond. It's almost like they get stuck in that place that stuck in that place of having had these bad things happen. And so I'm, I no longer want to put myself out there. I don't want to try. I don't want to do anything else because I might get hurt again. 
Wow. Thank you for that summary. And so what I'm going to guess from from what you're saying is that, okay, we can identify our archetypes and we'll go into how people can do that with you um, a little bit later. But so it's not like we get to say, oh, wait, well, I'm a rule follower, so I don't have to do things. There's, I'm, I'm guessing that you're saying there's a way we can have these fears and still, uh, still go forward. <laughs> yes. They don't become an excuse for not taking action. No, no, they should never become an excuse for not taking action. And, and like I said, it, you can learn how to, I, I don't expect people to just magically get rid of their fear. I don't think that that really happens. I think the fear is there. I think you can lessen it. You can learn how to mitigate it. You can learn how to increase your courage so that so that overcoming your fear becomes easier and easier because it's, I, I like to say courage is like a muscle. So the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. And there are def, but it starts with identifying where this is happening for you because, because it looks very different. Once, you know, for me, I'm an, my archetype is an outcast. And so for me, rejection is a thing that is, like I fear the most and that is the hardest for me. And even in doing this work over the last couple of years, I've re- I've had to realize and come to terms with how much that outcast archetype actually has affected my life. I, you know, tend have tended to think of myself as somebody who has overcome a lot of adversity and I've pushed past a lot of fear in my life, but really there was there were parts of my life where I was really letting that fear of rejection hold me back. I was very fearful of ever asking anyone for help, of ever putting myself out there, of, of pitching myself to either to brands or to media outlets or of, of even pitching myself to other entrepreneurs and, try, and working in collaboration or I'd never wanted to be dependent on anyone else and I never wanted to put myself in a position and I realized that that was actually really hurting me and hurting my business. And I had to, and thankfully I have some great accountability partners who helped me see that helped kindly point that out for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's been really interesting. But when I talk about, you know, how it's so scary for me to reach out to other people and ask for help, someone who's listening to, to me say that, who does not have that, who is not a high outcast, who does not have that fear that probably doesn't resonate. Mm -hmm. But for me, you know, I'm not a high procrastinator. So perfectionism has never been my issue. That's not something I really struggle with. I'm good. I'm okay with like putting something out there that's, you know, about 80 or 90% there and, um, and calling it good and, and tweaking it as I go along. But for somebody who, who does have that fear, oh my gosh, when I talk about, well, okay, why don't you push yourself to just, to just put something out there that's not quite done. I mean, that is then like in, induces a huge sense of panic. So it really depends with panic. Yeah. Yeah. So it really depends on where fear is impacting you, where you have to decide to start working on it. And so I like to say there's, there's sort of like macro solutions and micro solutions. So micro solution that I really recommend is to, to practice building up your immunity. So for me, one of my ways of building up immunity was to practice practice getting rejected and in doing that in small ways that were felt less like life or death situations for me, but it really helped me build up my immunities to the point where now I can, I, I'm not as nearly as fearful of, of that as I was for somebody who's fear of fears, making a mistake or for a people pleaser who fears being judged. It means maybe practicing 
sharing your opinion a little bit more, practicing setting limits or practicing saying something that you know is not going to be popular to get yourself used to that. So you have to work on building up that muscle. Why? Yeah. So that's really interesting because I do know that a number of my clients, they just, some of them get paralyzed in those moments of I, they'll do everything other than the one thing that, yes. that they're most needing to do. Yes. And one of the things that I so, that really strikes me as you're talking about all of this is I think as a culture, we're often taught, you know, if something's scary, then don't do it. That means you're not supposed to do it. Yeah. And your message is, yes, it's scary and you can get through it. You know, yes. it's sort of this, the feel, the fear and do it anyway. Yes, exactly. And because the fear is still going to be there, but every time you can do something that's a little bit scary, it tells your brain, oh, I am capable of doing this thing. And it gives you that little extra boost of courage that allows, because then you can, then you get to rely on your experience. And it's not just this blind, I'm going to go into things because it's, that feels even scarier. It's that it's where you can go, well, I did this one thing and I survived it and it was scary, but yes, I did it. So now I can do this next thing and then I can do this next thing. And you start to train yourself to feel the fear and do it anyway, exactly as you said. Yes. And I love that. And there's a way in which some t- with my clients, it's working with, okay, you did it and you survived. Now, what does that feel like in your body to have actually gone through it and to, to know that here you are, feel you in the body, like actually calm. Okay. Now take that feeling and feel it the next time, sort of building up both the brain part of it and, um, and the physical part. So we're, we're almost getting to the end of our time, but I know in your book, you talk about principles of courage. What are those just generally? The principles of courage are really in, in general, it's, you know, if once you've identified the fear, you have to, and you, you started to see those thought patterns that are happening that are negative, you need to have something to replace them with. So it's a new set of core beliefs, a core, a core values that you can sort of carry with you to help you overcome fear. And that's what I call the principles of courage. So those include things like, rules are for suckers, which would be a good one for you as a, as a rule follower to kind of remind yourself. And I, and I explain in the, in the book that it's that, that sentence started out as sort of a joke between me and my husband, but it really is true. And it's even something that we teach our kids because not that we think all rules are bad, but it's a reminder to not just do something because it's a rule to a reminder to think for yourself, a, a reminder to be willing to color outside the lines and to use your critical thinking skills and not just feel like everything has to fit within a certain pr- parameter because it really doesn't. Yes. That's so funny. And not to talk about myself, but I'm about to, <laughs> is, is the, the thing that's interesting is I'm not necessarily a huge rule follower in everywhere. It's only in certain areas where I'm already a little bit more insecure. Ah. You know, otherwise, I am fully fine. That's so interesting. So that really goes into like, again, like our fear is what protects us. And so there is something there that serves you. It makes you feel safe. And so when something feels scary, that's your default position. How yes. interesting that yeah. you realize that about yourself. Yeah, very interesting. 
So if people want to know their archetypes, do you, do you have a quiz? Is that what it is? Or we is it do. the book? Or? We have, well, there's the book, but it, we're, which really talks about each archetype in depth. But we also highly recommend that you take our assessment, which you can find at our website, doitscared.com. And the assessment, you know, this is much more in depth than something like a, it's not a, it's not a Cosmo quiz. <laughs> it's, <laughs> we actually put a ton of research into this um, as we were doing all the research for the book. We are also working on this assessment where we released a beta version. And, you know, you have to ask like all the questions multiple times in both positive and negative ways. We had psychologists make sure there was no bias in the questions and really um, worked to make sure that the answers were very, very accurate and relevant. Um, and so we feel, feel very confident that this, it's, it's very scientifically valid. And um, so you can go there and it's free to take the basic version of the assessment. It'll give you your top archetype or I'd highly recommend upgrading to the premium version of the assessment because that's going to actually show you where you where you score on all seven of the archetypes and also talk specifically about your top three and how they interact together, which is what makes up your unique fear fingerprint. Oh, wow. That's, that's it. That's great. And that's at your website, doitscared.com. Yes. Okay, good. That is great. And I know that in your book, you do talk about some of the specific steps that people can take to move past fear in their um, it's not just identifying what their archetype is, but it's now, okay, now you've got this. What are you going to do? And I, yes. I love that. Yes. Thank you. It's not just, okay, now I've identified it uh, and I get to live with it. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I'm all about practical action steps. So there is definitely a lot of really practical steps that you can take to, to move past fear. Good. You know what? We're at the end of their time. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you just want to put out there or did we get through? I think we got through pretty much, pretty much everything. And um, yeah, I just, just want to say thank you for having me on. And it's always a, an honor to be able to talk about this stuff. And um, I hope that it, it's, it's helpful for people. I know that in my own life, learning how to overcome fear has been one of the most powerful things that I've ever been able to do or to learning how to, to do it scared, I should say, because I think fear is always going to be there. But if you can face, feel the fear and do it anyways, that's when, that's when the magic happens. Great. Thank you so much, Ruth. Listeners, thank you so much for listening in. I strongly suggest you go take the assessment and buy the book and figure out, you know, what, what ways are you getting in your own way and how can you move past that and until next time go out and remember that you do have the power to change and transform your world are you ready to discover your superpowers go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today 